if there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity. What should we all be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys and in, uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when, he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with your other co-host, the one you like better, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Mm-hmm. That's the host you like the most. That does sound better than what I said. Yep. All right. Well, that's why they like me the most. <laughs> All right, before we jump in, we wanted to go ahead and let you guys know what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. We're going to talk about the division between, that some people make between Genesis 1 through 11 and 12 through 50. A lot of people will say Genesis 1 through 11 weren't meant as literal history. So we're going to talk about that divide. We're going to talk about angels. We're going to talk about speaking in tongues. And of course, we're going to talk a lot about the actual importance of the scripture. This is the first scripture in the Bible that talks directly to the problem of unity. So one that we care a whole lot about here at your favorite Church Unity podcast. But before we do, let's talk about some of what our audience has been up to lately. We have asked you guys, if you could invent any one new snow cone flavor, what would you pick? Our friends Tyler and Brian Roberts said... Some Christmas flavors, peppermint bark, and eggnog. So it's better than turkey gravy is what I said on the show the other day. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, those sound a lot better than that. Um, we asked if you could name Santa's next reindeer. What would you name it? Eric Griffith said Leroy. Found that amusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we on our new Monday and Monday thing that we started, uh, we asked just to people to tell us something they don't think we'd be interested in. And I want to let everyone know that on a Sunday, Diana cleaned up dog poop, and I did find that at least a little interesting. Yeah, I it took I spent a good few minutes trying to come up with something for that to answer, you know, just for ourselves, and I couldn't do it. So yeah, because you know, pretty much anything you say, I will start a conversation with you about. Because she said that, I was like, you know, I did too. Yeah, and then uh, of course, before we move on, big shout out to ourselves for being Alicia Matthews' top podcast. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> big shout out to Alicia Matthews for listening to us more than every other podcast in uh, 2020, yeah. which, you know, is an honor. Everyone certainly had a lot of time to do that. Yeah, she put on her Instagram story, like, you yeah. have a Spotify wrapped, and we were number one. Yeah. Yeah. We, we all knew that. But <laughs> yeah. She we're at least her favorite church in the podcast. <laughs> all right. Oh, so, uh, we wanted to get into today's silly question. Uh and we still do it. You know when it's just us. But if you had to pick three scents that you would smell for all time and never smell anything else, which three would you choose? Do I have to pick the same that I said earlier? I don't know what you're talking about. We've never done this before. <laughs> all right. Okay. So bacon. Because I can't not smell bacon again. Um, and then I'm not going to pick my favorite sauce. I'm going to pick something a little bit less strong that I still like. So I'm going to go campfire. Mm-hmm. I like that scent. It's not too overwhelming. And then um, I'm going to go with fresh cut grass. Okay. Yeah. So these three smells, you just, do you smell them all the time? Yeah. You can't not smell one. Oh, okay. You will smell one of these three at any given time. Okay. Oh, but can you choose which one? 
Sure. Okay. Yeah. Sandalwood, gasoline, and coffee. Most of the time, you're smelling sandalwood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Sandalwood is nice. Yeah. I have sandalwood soap. Sandalwood cologne. Yeah. I like sandalwood. I want to smell the cologne. Oh, you can. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> feel free to answer it yourself. Uh, we will ask the question on social media. Yeah. And you can let us know. Just look out for that. And uh, before jumping in, we did want to remind everyone that the point of this series is to find where the church can have unity despite its disagreements. Uh, sometimes we have to accept that there cannot be Christian unity, however. Uh, we will see some of that today as we look at the story of the Tower of Babel. In these cases, it is important to rem- it is important that we remember Romans 12, 18, uh, where we are told that all believers should try to make peace with everyone. Uh, we will only give our personal views in this segment when we find it helpful or appropriate as our aim is not to settle all arguments, but rather to see if we can find unity within those arguments. Yeah. Of okay. course, if we were to wear in with our opinions, yeah. we would settle all arguments. Yeah, it wouldn't be fair, so yeah. we don't. We're just bad influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that being said, you know, a lot of times in this series, we mention the point of the verse, but then spend a majority of our time talking about the history of arguments dealing around the subject. Today, we're going to start by talking about some of those disagreements that come with this chapter, and then end focusing on the point of the segment as the scripture speaks directly to unity in that way. So I just feel like that'd be a more useful way to go about that. Um, that being said, we are going to start with some of those disagreements that flow from this text. All right. Uh, so we'll need to get a little callback here uh, because we've talked about some of these things before a little bit. Yeah. It won't make sense without right. some of that reference. Uh, so in episode 42, uh, which was titled The What, How, and Now of Scripture Talk, yeah. And episode 61, uh, Inspiration, the Flood, and End Times Talk, uh, we discussed some of the different views of how Genesis was composed. Uh, and we just wanted to review or reframe uh, some of that here. Uh, the simple version gives us three main views, a traditional, critical, and compositional view. Uh, to put it simply, the traditional view believes Moses wrote all of Genesis. Uh, the critical view believes the text was progressed with various authors and editors over time. And the compositional view believes that a singular author used different sources and progressively composed and edited the text. Now, uh, if you want to see, you know, how these views impact our goal of Christian unity, go back and listen to those episodes, uh, 42 and 61. Uh, They're pretty good ones, I think. Yeah, I mean, 42 might have been our worst episode. TJ wasn't there. Oh, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know. Yeah, so it's still good content. Yeah, uh, but this is important as one major argument concerning today's text is that Genesis one through eleven is a separate kind of text than Genesis twelve and forward. Uh, some people who believe in a critical or compositional view believe that Genesis one through eleven is metaphorical or meant to convey something other than history, and Genesis twelve onward is the history of how Israel came to be. Uh, Those of a traditional view of the text cannot agree with this view, however. So uh, we've discussed in this series several times before uh, what you can and can't believe in and still be united with, you know, your Christian brothers and sisters. Uh, So check out episodes uh, 40 through 42, uh, episode 44, episode 57, and episode 61. All right. uh, So 
The next point of tension in this part of scripture also hinges on the divide of Genesis 1 through 11 and Genesis 12 through 50. Uh, here we see the argument over the age of the earth, uh, which we discussed in episode 41, which we called weapon recreation and geology talk, uh, arise again. Uh, many use the genealogies in the Bible to age the earth as far younger than most geologists would. Uh, some who believe in an older earth creation will point to the genealogies in this part of the Bible to note what is distinctly missing. Uh, there is no summary of how much time has elapsed, uh, like in other places of the Bible. Uh, for example, uh, Exodus 12, First uh, Kings 6, Judges 11, and uh, there are others that, you know, my friend Joshua would be glad to give you if you, you know, messaged him on social media, uh, where the author will say how much time elapsed. Uh, the author distinctly avoids doing that here, uh, or so the argument goes. Uh, they will also explain that the age of each person is given, uh, not to help age the earth, but to illustrate that as sin entered the world, the age of men began to decrease. Uh, think of the tree of life from the garden. And, uh... Alright. Yeah, so, um... Yeah, what TJ's talking about is, like, uh, usually they'll say, so-and-so begot so-and-so, so-and-so begot so-and-so. You'll have, like, a chapter of that. And at the end, the author... In places like First Kings six, we usually say, "Yeah, so all that took place, and that was about uh, you know seven hundred and thirteen years," and that just doesn't happen here, which is weird for genealogies in biblical times, and that's sort of the point they're trying to make there. Um, that being said, another big topic is actually about angels when it comes to the scripture. So, um, which we're going to talk a lot about that later on as we go through the podcast and we deal with scriptures that more directly talk about angels, but we want to at least touch on the subject here. So. Before we jump in, I want to remind everyone, you know, I, I like hermeneutics. We've talked about it before. And one of the hermeneutics is just the study of how you read the Bible. And one of the most important things when you think about how to read the Bible is you get to compare each pericope of Scripture, so each part of Scripture, with the whole of Scripture, so all of the rest of it. And if some other part of Scripture says, hey, this is what that Scripture means, then that's what that Scripture meant. It would be like um, if I wrote a book. And something I said in chapter one was really confusing. But in chapter 10, I said, this is what I meant in chapter one. Right. Well, then you take that and say, hey, that that must be what he meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If the Bible is telling us what the Bible means, it would it make sense to, you yeah. know, listen to what it says. Yeah. So in Deuteronomy mm -hmm. 32, it mentions something that happened here. Right. And uh, yeah. So Deuteronomy 32, eight through nine is what you're referring to. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it says. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance and divided the human race, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the people of Israel. But the Lord's portion in his people, Jacob, his own inheritance. Yeah. So what it's saying is it's when God divided the people, which happened at the Tower of Babel, the section of scripture we're talking about, Genesis 11. And, um, and some of the older manuscripts actually talk about how God divided the land, and he gave some people to different angels. And then he took Israel, Jacob's people, as his portion. Now, a lot of our scriptures that we have today in the manuscripts that we base stuff off don't have that part. But it does say he divided the human race, and he took Israel as his part. So that it at least implies there's something else going on here. Who's he dividing the other ones up amongst? Mm -hmm. um, so... The idea gets here that he's saying something about angels. We're not exactly sure what. Um, 
But before we get into that, we want to talk about what angels are. Now, I'll say there are some disagreements about that amongst people. Scary. Yeah, they they are scary. (laughs) But uh, we'll get more into what they are later on. We'll, We'll say right now, most people will say that they're the only other creature in the Bible, other than humans, to have free will. Uh, they don't have any physical bodies unless they're made manifest. And there are plenty of places in the Bible where they choose to be made manifest. And those are the places that are... TJ? That's where you say scary. Oh. Yeah, scary. that's where they're scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, overall, the best simple comparison is just angels are more powerful than us. And they are physically closer to God than we are. Mm-hmm. But humans were the only creatures said to be made in God's image, and were the only ones who God offers salvation to. In Second Peter 2.4, the author actually explicitly says, yeah, God didn't offer salvation to the angels, only to us. Right. Which actually blows my mind, because there were so many times growing up that I wanted to ask my youth pastor or children pastor, and I did. And they usually just thought I was trying to be like a smart up little kid, and I was like, but could God just forgive Satan? Turns out that answer is in the Bible. He, he just did not offer salvation to the angels. Yeah, so we know that. Mm-hmm. And there are some crazy theories as to why, which we won't talk about here. Uh, we might in another episode. Well, we, we might in another episode. Day. Yeah, once we get through the entire Bible and move on to the Book of Enoch. Yeah. yeah. So like <laughs> 10 years from now. Hey, y'all just keep listening. But uh, God did make angels to worship him, the same reason he made us and every other creature ever. Uh, but most of the arguments come from angel hierarchy. A lot of the church historically has made up their own hierarchy of how angels work. And their roles. What we do know about their role in scripture, for sure, is that they were set to watch over certain places, protect humans, and convey messages from God. In fact, the Greek word for angel is angelos, which is also Greek for just messenger. Um, and uh, just as demons tend people away from God, you kind of want to see angels as tempting you towards God. You know, like, uh, it's like uh, the demon saying, hey, eat that extra cake. And the angels over there are like, how about some greens? And you're like, yeah. No, uh, yeah. But uh, a lot of that stuff comes from Dr. Wayne Grudem. We talked some about him before. Um, some of the other arguments have to do with guardian angels. We know that angels were sent to protect us, but some people believe, some churches believe that each person has their own dedicated angel to be their guardian angel. And they get that from verses like Matthew 8.10, where Jesus just says, hey, these children have their own angel that watches over them. And the argument will go, see, so each children has an angel. And the other people will be like, no, he just means that there's an angel for all children. Like, all the children are just designed to a single angel. Yeah. And then uh, the writer of the Shepherd of Hermas, we don't know who it is, but that's actually where he kind of pinned the original idea that each person has their own angel, guardian angel on a shoulder, and a demon on the other shoulder. Have you ever seen like cartoons like yeah. that? What am I thinking of? Big I, guy from... Uh, I know Street. exactly what you're thinking about. It's what I was about to talk about. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, the, the man who wrote The Shepherd of Hermas is the same man who wrote The Emperor's New Groove <laughs> uh, and put the angel cronk and the devil cronk on yeah. cronk's shoulders. Which yes. is, that's a great movie. In fact, God inspired The Shepherd of Hermas specifically so we could have that moment in that cartoon. Yeah. yeah. And you have Patrick Warburton just <laughs> voice a really yes. muscular cartoon yes. guy. Yeah. Such a great voice. Yeah. It's the same exact voice for everything, but it it works really well. Anyway, as far Mm -hmm. as angels, before we move on, we have to consider how the Catholics and the Orthodox have a little bit different view on angels today. And it has to do with part of their Bible that's not in our Bible. Mm -hmm. The Apocrypha. Yeah. Yeah. 
so in Tobit 1215, uh, the archangel Raphael says, I am Raphael, one of the seven holy angels who present the prayers of the saints and enter into the presence of the glory of the Holy One. Yeah. Now, naturally, uh, Protestants don't believe the Apocrypha is the Bible, so we don't take that as authoritative. Mm-hmm. But because of that scripture, where he says, hey, I'm specifically, my job is to take prayers of saints and go to God. So because of that verse that is in our Orthodox and Catholic brother and sisters' Bibles, they will often pray to angels and say, hey, take this prayer to God for me, please. Mm-hmm. And it's where that misconception of, you know, Catholics pray to saints comes from. They don't do that. We had an episode on it. Go look it up. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. You know, a lot of people think they pray to angels. They don't pray to the angels. They're praying to God and just saying, hey, when you're taking these letters to God, make sure he knows this is an important one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, they have other reasons why they pray to angels as well uh, from the Apocrypha and other scriptures. But, uh, you know, the primary one, primarily they pray to angels so that the angels will basically help get their prayers through. It's kind of the idea. Um, we mentioned before in episode 42, the problems associated with unity amongst those who do or do not treat the Apocrypha as scripture. Um, in fact, me and my brother got into a little bit of a debate on that episode as to whether or not you can consider people Christians who believe in the Apocrypha. And my argument basically boiled down to uh, St. Augustine believed it. I'm not willing to say he wasn't a Christian, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do it. I won't do it. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, what, what it boils down to is if, when it comes to this, is if you're saying, if you're praying to angels because you don't believe the Holy Spirit intercedes for you, there is a problem. And that would cause it to be harder to call you a Christian brother or sister. Mm-hmm. But if you believe Jesus is God, you believe the Holy Spirit is our mediator, then there's really no reason that this particular belief should cause any lack of unity between brothers and sisters. You know, that's asking angels to intercede or asking TJ to intercede. You know, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Ask me to intercede. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. And now it's time for a quick break. We wanted to thank all of our listeners and let you guys know all the many ways you can help us keep Uh, this show going. This this is going to take too long. All right. So, TJ, do you think you could just, uh, I don't know, tell them all the ways they can support us in 10 seconds or less? Follow us on social media, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Every dollar counts. And join our newsletter by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Ah, so that's a yes then. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And of course, they wouldn't have to hear this break at all if they simply joined our Patreon, like you said, at patreon.com forward slash thewholechurchpodcast. Right. And uh, let's get back to the show. So next, uh, we're going to talk about Thomas Aquinas, who, if you listen to the podcast before or are certain friends that I have uh, you might have picked up on it I can't stand Thomas Aquinas oh. he said so many I don't want to insult him but he has said so many poorly thought out things <laughs> and so many people just took his fact uh, but he is a major source of conflict in the area of the theology of angels which is why I'm going to talk about him. I'm not just going to rant about how much I hate this guy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that is good for church unity, though, right? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, of course, many people theorized about angels before him, and many have after, and many will continue to. Uh, but few have written as extensively on the subject as he did. Uh, Thomas Aquinas 
John Calvin, as well as many others, uh, criticized this part of Aquinas' legacy. Uh, he wrote that Aquinas was too focused on the subject and caused the church to put far too great an emphasis on angels and their roles. Uh, Calvin essentially argued that the Bible tells us what we need to know about angels and anything else is not meant for us to know. Uh, currently, there is a movement of believers who don't believe in literal angels at all, but rather see them in the scriptures as figurative, metaphorical, or plot devices of sorts. Uh, and that's uh, in a book co- f- called uh, Historical Theology by Dr. Greg Allison. Who's going to be on the podcast this year. Right. Yeah. And uh, C.S. Lewis warned us about the dangers of ignoring angels and demons, as well as overemphasizing them. You know, he's just kind of soldiering for that middle yeah, ground. moderation and all that, right? Right. I think that's in a book somewhere that I read. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, C.S. Lewis on the subject said, uh, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils and angels. Uh, one is to disbelieve in their insistence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Uh, they themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I, think, I believe that's from um, Screwtape Letters. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, demons are like, yeah, we're, we're completely fine if you just believe only in material things. And we also love if you're absolutely obsessed with the supernatural. Do you yeah. either of those two things? Yeah, I, uh, I, there's a friend of mine who I saw was upset that there's not a Screwtape Letters movie. Uh, upon which I had the unfortunate circumstance of looking that up and finding out that there kind of is one. It didn't have much about it. It probably just wasn't very good. I believe that. Yeah. But, you know, here's the hoping. Uh, one <laughs> important thing here is that even though Calvin disagreed with Aquinas on the subject, he was able to verbalize his grace without painting Aquinas as anything other than a fellow brother, uh, which I can't do, you know. You John don't. Calvin might be a little bit of a better man than I. <laughs> hey, there. But um, correcting wrongdoings or disagreeing openly is necessary, and we must all learn to do so without sowing discord amongst our brothers and sisters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a lot easier to say than do. Right. Yeah. Uh, so finally, we want to talk about the last point of division here, which is speaking in tongues. So in Acts 2, there's an opposite tale of this story, right? Where... After Jesus dies, come, after he comes back, then he leaves and goes to heaven. The disciples are sitting around. The Holy Spirit falls on them, and they all speak in different tongues, and everyone is able to understand them. It's pretty much the opposite of this story, where everyone understood each other, and God said, cut that out. Change that language. <laughs> so, um, here, since it's hard to read Acts 2 as a Christian and not think of the Tower of Babel, and vice versa, right? So, It brings up the problem of language, and it brings up the problem of speaking in tongues. Um, we're not going to get too far into this subject here as well, just because it will come up plenty of other times. It's already come up plenty of times on the podcast. We don't want to harp on it. Um, but in the New Testament, you'll see parts where it says speaking in tongues, and it's talking about angelic tongues or godly tongues or tongues that people don't understand. And you see parts like Acts 2 where it says they spoke in tongues and everyone understood them. There seems to be two different types of speaking in tongues, or there was at least. Mm-hmm. But um, so there's three main areas of division we want to bring up, right? Uh, some people believe speaking in tongues, that the people who speak in tongues today are just possessed by demons, and the gift is no longer present. 
Some people believe that uh, anyone baptized in the Holy Spirit can speak in tongues. Everyone can. Some people even believe that uh, you can speak in tongues when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, and you can just decide when to do it. Right. Uh, of course, there are several other beliefs with that, but we want to focus on these today as um, each one comes with its own problems to church unity, right? If you think that anyone who speaks in tongues is possessed by demons, obviously you can't think of those who are speaking in tongues as your Christian brothers and sisters. So that, that that's a pretty big problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you think that anyone baptized in the Holy Spirit can speak in tongues, then you might be limiting other brothers and sisters who are baptized in the Spirit, if you're wrong, right. who aren't speaking in tongues, by telling them that they need to be when maybe they don't need to be. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, if you think that everyone can just speak in tongues whenever, if that includes the ability to speak in other languages, then anytime someone's not doing that to spread the gospel, that's a big problem. Right. Now, of course, we're not saying that either, any of these are right or wrong beliefs, but we are saying that you have to acknowledge that certain limits come into unity with these beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so now it's time for our Think Tank segment, uh, which, if you are unaware, uh, our Think Tank is a Facebook group, uh, which has 30-ish leaders, or is it exactly 30? 31. 30-ish leaders, <laughs> uh, church leaders from various backgrounds uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, it primarily consists of past or future guests of the show, and uh, we like to ask them questions, and of course we ask them a series of questions on today's topic uh, that we're going to discuss here. Uh, so, firstly, we ask them how they believe Genesis was written. Uh, three voted for multiple authors, three voted for Moses as the sole author, and one other, uh, Niles Merritt. I hope he's okay with us, just, you know, throw him on here. He kind of has to be. Uh, voted multiple authors, but he explained that he thinks Moses was the predominant human author and just had redactors come along at later to finish his work. Uh, Reverend Steve Lancelos? Lancelos? I'm not sure how to say his name. Uh, I'm saying Lancelos. Lancelos. We've not met in person. Right. Uh, Niles also went on to reaffirm the inspired and infallible status of the scripture. Uh, Our friend Father Jonathan, who voted multiple authors, said... Uh, the scholarship on the matter seems to point to a crafted text by multiple authors over a long period of time. This does not diminish its inspired or inspiring status, however. Was that your uh, impression? No. Oh. It just seemed like I needed to read it that way. Oh, okay. I would have liked to hear your father Jonathan impression in the future. Yeah, maybe one day. Maybe when we do another episode with him. Yeah. Alright, but this ended up opening a bit of a can of worms. Uh, when Father Jonathan was pressed on the matter, by uh, Anglican priest and military chaplain, Steve Lancelos. I, I feel like I want to say Lancelos. But uh, about a non-literal view of Genesis 1 through 11. And a debate broke out in which Reverend Lancelos asserted that the virgin birth of Christ does not mean anything if sin does not pass through birth, which can only be theologically sound if there was an original man who passed his sin on to us all. Uh, Dr. Keith Sherlin joined in on the phone and affirmed uh, Reverend Lancelos's assertion with the scriptural backing of Acts 17 and 26, uh, where the Bible says every nation and tongue came from one man, and Romans 5 and 12, where we are told death came to all mankind through one person. Uh, Father Jonathan uh, defended his position by explaining that the virgin birth was still necessary to break the cycle of sin, where each man had chosen to sin, and all of the other writings about sin coming from one man 
can be true without being literal in the same way that Genesis 1 through 11 is true, but possibly not meant to be a literal history. Next, we asked about the angels. Brother Niles had plenty to say on that subject, and uh, for those wondering, we will have a full interview with Niles in April. We have mentioned him a lot, it <laughs> yeah. feels like. Yeah. He, he interacts with us a lot, so, you know, if you did, we would we would mention you too. That's true. Yeah. If you're interested. But uh, he mostly affirmed what we said earlier, uh, but adding some of how he sees angels' appearances according to scripture. Uh, he states that they appear as stars, and he cited Job 38.7 and uh, Psalms 19 and messengers, uh, as in Gabriel. But most references to them in scripture describe them as warriors. He goes on to describe a few awesome fights they have in the Bible, then explains some different types of angels in the Bible. Uh, one interesting point he brought up is what the seraphim angels may look like, as seraph can mean flaming or serpent. Uh, he suggests that it's possible that the serpent in the garden was a seraphim. Which is certainly something to think about. Yeah, I've been thinking about it ever since he said that. Yeah. It keeps me up in that. Uh, but, you know, moving on, we also asked for opinions on speaking in tongues. Uh, in a poll we did, uh, two people voted that the gifts of the Spirit continue, but not everyone can speak in tongues. Uh, two people voted that everyone baptized in the Spirit receives the gift of speaking in tongues. And uh, we had one person that voted that everyone baptized in the Holy Spirit has the initial evidence of speaking in tongues, but that gift may not be continual in them. And two voted as other, which, not to shame our think tank members, but if you're keeping up, that's not a very high turnout. <laughs> yeah, it never is. But it's okay. We know everyone doesn't want their opinions put on blast on a podcast, so we get it. Yeah, also, they're all like priests and doctors yeah. and stuff. They're probably busy. Uh, one of our other voters, uh, Dr. Keith Sherlin, uh, went on to explain uh, the gifts of languages in Acts, like healing, were mostly at will miracles to the apostles. Uh, most of the time, a senior apostle, the apostles of Christ, could heal and speak in tongues almost at will when the need arose for each gift. Yet at times, they would pray for the gift, and the church modeled that as they died out. Uh, see James five, where they call out to the elder, call out for the elders to pray, asking for the gift of healing. Now, First Corinthians twelve eleven uses the present tense verbs for distribution. Uh, when God sovereignly chooses the gifts and needs for the gifts, when God sovereignly chooses, He gifts the gifts for a need and moment. Or sometimes by prayer when asked for the gifts are distributed. I didn't write that. <laughs> uh, the miraculous gifts do not reside in anyone today or at will use. Uh, as with the apostles of Christ, who very often could heal at will and speak in tongues most of the time at will. Uh, but they are available to anyone in Christ as needed by prayer or sovereign distribution. Uh, practically, then, say I need to communicate with communicate the gospel to someone in another language, and the Lord sees this as their exact moment of salvation, then God could grant me the gift to use as needed. Also the same with healing. I could pray, and God could grant it. 
and I might lay hands on the person and they may be healed. But just because I experienced that gift at that moment does not mean I can go down the street and lay hands on every person in the hospital and they all get healed or walk to down to the Hispanic quarter of town and speak Spanish to everyone for the next week. Uh, the gifts are available per present ongoing sovereign distribution as the need arises and as we pray. Use uses words that are hard to use. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. But uh, Niles Merritt, who voted that the gifts continues, but not everyone can speak in tongues, uh, explained that he believed speaking in tongues was only ever the supernatural ability to speak other real languages that you didn't know. Uh, God would give the ability to speak Spanish to someone who didn't know the language, for example. Now, he states the reason this gift occurs less today is because it is less necessary with modern tools for translating and learning languages. Now, he explains that where scripture says people speak in unknown languages, it only means unknown to the speaker. So Google Translate has taken away our ability to speak in tongues? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. And in Acts, you know, they could have just started speaking English. That's crazy. Yeah, which would be hilarious. Yeah. For I us. Think it's and uh, Reverend Steve Laslos, uh, who also voted other, uh, stated that before asking this question, we must ask what it means to be baptized in the Spirit and when that occurs, which we did not do, but we will. Yeah, uh, we plan to cover those topics in future episodes as well. And uh, finally, we wanted to re- provide a place for our think tank to comment on the significance of the Tower of Babel as a whole. So we did that. <laughs> and... Yeah. Uh, Niles Merritt said, So we see that God has not only divided the peoples of this earth and confused their language, he also gives them up to the powers and principalities of this present darkness. This is of even greater significance when we examine God's promise to Abraham that through his seed, all nations of the earth will be blessed, promising a future deliverance from that demonic oppression. Even though God gave up the nations to the forces of darkness at Babel, his plan was always to extend to them his mercy at the cross. The contrast of Babel and the cross at Pentecost, uh, Pentecost was the cross's reversal of the division at Babel. As a result, every tongue, nation, and people will be singing God's praises in eternity. At Babel, men were divided. At the cross, we are united in Christ. At Babel, men were proud, seeking to make a name for themselves. At the cross, we are humble, bowing to the name of Jesus. At Babel, the powers and principalities were given authority over the nations as God gave them up to their sin. And at the cross, all authority is given to Christ, who puts to shame the rage of nations and the peoples who plot in vain. And, uh, what was that from? That was just him, I think. Okay. Thanks, Nob. Uh And then lastly, Matthew Noel adds, uh, who was Joshua's brother, been on the podcast before, episode 42, go check it out. Uh, I think the whole council of scripture would show that the Tower of Babel comes in context after the effects of the fall of mankind. The people unite to make a name for themselves. Uh, this is the sin of old and the sin of the age we live in today. Our sinful nature, insights Romans 3, is bent towards making a name for ourselves when rather we are meant to proclaim the name of the Lord. We are proclaimers that as many people we can't climb our way to God, 
but rather God humbled himself, taking in the likeness of sinful flesh to redeem name mankind, namely Jesus Christ. Uh, popular guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, this is why at times I believe it is better to be divided in truth than united in heresy. It is better to split ways with those who are seeking to make a great name for themselves. As we, with the psalmist, seek to have our hearts united in the fear of the Lord and exalting his name among the nations. Uh, just a little food for thought. I think this story significantly is told after the destruction of the earth uh, in Genesis 9. So and uh, we need a heart change, not a geographical or political change. Uh, this is what Israel and many today get wrong. That is what Matthew Knowles said, not us. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Good talk. Yeah. That's all for this extremely long think tank segment. Uh, now I will finally read the scripture we've been talking about for 38 minutes. <laughs> I mean, some of that was a silly question. 30-ish minutes. <laughs> uh, Genesis 11 reads, uh, The whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. As people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let us make oven-fired bricks. Uh, they used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. Uh, and they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. And, uh, Picking back up in Genesis 5. Uh, then the Lord came down to look over the city and the tower that the humans were building. And the Lord said, If they have begun to do this as one people all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So from there... The Lord scattered them throughout the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, it is called Babylon. For there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. And yeah. you know, I always thought that was probably like the funniest word in the Bible. Babel? Babylon. Yeah. Because, you know. Keep babbling on. Yeah, you just babble on. Babylon. 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 Which yeah. we do. Yeah. 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 Like we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um Yeah, we want to unpack the meaning of the scripture as briefly as we can because again, it is the first significant scripture in the Bible that directly addresses the problem of unity. So first I want to point out that if you look at where the scripture is located, if you're reading Genesis 10, you're getting to genealogies, right? Here's Noah's son's genealogy. And in the middle of Shem's genealogy, it says, here's the son of Shem, the son of him, and the son of that guy. And then it just gives us the story. And then at the end of the story, it goes, oh, yeah, by the way, we're talking about genealogy. So let me finish that. Uh, son of that guy had this guy, this guy, then uh, Abraham. And it's really odd for them to just throw a story in the middle of a genealogy. Mm -hmm. You know, it'd be like your dad being like, yeah, so my great-grandfather, uh, he did this, this, and that. And then your grandpa came along, and then he did that. And hey, let me tell you a story real quick. Yeah, which we all definitely probably have that happen to us at one point or another. It's weird in a book. Yeah, maybe not from your dad, but someone's told you a story like that. Yeah, but it brings out, if you pay attention to the genealogy, it actually brings out a very interesting point of the scripture. The word Shem means to make a name for. So you're hearing the genealogy of 
to make a name for. And then we have the story, the Tower of Babel, which is about if you're going to make a name for yourself or not. And then it finishes the genealogy of to make a name for. Mm -hmm. And what comes next is Abraham, who God said, hey, you're not trying to make a name for yourself. I'm going to make a name for you. Right. Yeah. So that's where a lot of the significance of this story comes from. Just the meaning of the word Shem mm -hmm. and his genealogy. Yeah. It's pretty much just a really good, like, hey, you know what that reminds me of? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Relates to the story much better than most people when they say that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we want to talk about chiastic structure. Uh, the structure of the story also highlights the importance of the phrase to make a name for, as we have, you know, sort of shown. Yeah. Uh, the structure mimics one another beginning and end until the center of the story rings out separate as the major idea. Well, here we see the beginning showing people wanting unity to make themselves great, and the end reflects that by having God disperse the people to knock them down. Uh, the center of the story is when God comes down to see. Uh, God's greatest desire is that we unite in him, but if our unity is separate from him, then he will see it cease. Uh, later in the Bible, uh, people are blessed for coming together uh, to build in the name of the Lord, but anything man does apart from God is cursed. Which, I just want to say, this is tangentially related. If you don't think what we're doing here is right, you should just let us do it. Because if we're wrong, God's going to stop us, you know? Yeah, probably so true. everyone should help <laughs> us out. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. We're all working for the same purpose, and it's not for God. He's just going to, you know. Yes, yeah, he'll, he'll fix the problem. Yeah. But the idea is that, which is actually something important. You know, we brought up recently when we had Eric Nevins on, enemies, right? And the enemy of Christian unity, the biggest enemy is, is not division. The biggest enemy is long division, being united in the wrong things. Yeah, it's in long division. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's funny. So, so uh, with that being said, uh, anytime the Bible brings up Babylon, it wants you to call back to this story. Anytime you hear Babylon, you should think the story of the people who wanted to make a name for themselves. These people who cared more about themselves than God. The people who are full of pride, which we see pretty clearly in Revelations 18. Right. Which reads? And uh, this is Revelations 18 of 1, and then uh, 7 to 8. Uh, and that reads, uh, It has fallen. Babylon the Great has fallen. Uh, she has become a home for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. As much as she glorified herself and indulged her sensual and excessive ways, uh, give her that much torment and grief. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen. I am not a widow, and I will never see grief. For this reason, her plagues will come in just one day, death and grief and famine. She will be burned up with fire, because the Lord God who judges her is Mighty. Yeah. yeah. And it's no coincidence that Babel is brought up at the beginning of Genesis and also at the end of Revelation. Mm -hmm. It's part of the great part of the greatest ongoing theme of the Bible is Babylon. It's selfishness and God saying, Hey, that is the thing that I hate the most. Mm -hmm. Um 
So that being said, it's important that we recall again Acts 2, which is the story of how God uses the gift of tongues to bring people back together. Because again, God does want unity. He just wants unity for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, that brings us to the importance of learning other languages. Uh, this is why we believe it's so important to learn other languages. Uh, we've been challenged before on episode 29, which was called uh, Inglesia Latina Talk, uh, to learn five words in Spanish. Uh, language is the greatest divider of people. Uh, that's why I've attempted to learn several languages. Uh, I gave up on all of them pretty fast because it's hard, but <laughs> I'm still willing to try again. Yeah. Uh, uh, after we first settled that our aim is to humble ourselves and make a name for God and not ourselves, our next goal has to be to come together in Christ. The best practical way we can do that is to learn more in other languages. Uh, today we would like to challenge everyone to learn five more phrases in any language. And it doesn't have to be Spanish. Yeah, not this time. That first time, it does. If you yes. listen to that episode again, you're, you're going to have to learn five words in Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's mandatory. And it is five phrases, we said. So, yeah. You know, learn how to say good morning, how are you, and hi, let's be friends. Well, you know, an easy one, just onion. Korean. How you doing? Sure. Yeah. Korean's actually one of the easiest languages I started to learn. Uh, I just lost interest. Yeah. Which so. actually brings a good point. Your experience does. I mean, uh, TJ isn't going to give up learning languages. The biggest problem with New Year's revolutions that people have. Resolutions. Is that, yeah. They mess up once and then they stop. Right. The thing is, you messed up. Who cares? Yeah. Keep trying. I didn't mess up. I learned the whole alphabet and then I got distracted doing something else. The, the point is keep trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just TJ, but everyone is persistence. Yeah. Um, that being said, we hope our time today has helped everybody understand different people's beliefs a little better. And hopefully it's brought us all closer together in Christian unity than ever before. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, even when it's just us, we like to end our episodes with the God Moment segment. Our God Moment segment is the part where we uh, just explain something that's been going on in our lives. That God has blessed us with or challenged us with or something in between those two things. And as is customary, Joshua always goes first. Because you make me. Yes. Yeah. It's customary. Okay. Um, this time, my God moment was kind of funny, really. Um, so, I didn't want to spend that much on my brother for Christmas, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're listening to Matt, I'm sorry. I'm poor. <laughs> Uh, hey, that's I, more than I spent on Matt for Christmas. Also, he's going to learn something hilarious right now because I don't think I told him this. <laughs> but I, uh, he asked for John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life. So naturally, I tried to buy that on Amazon, found the cheapest version I could. It got here and it turned out that it was the cheapest version it was because it wasn't that book. It was a study guide for that book. <laughs> so instead, I got him a study guide for a book he doesn't have. <laughs> that's and, pretty uh, funny. It got here the week of Christmas. So if I ordered to get the actual book to go with it, it just would not have got here in time. So I had to go through and find a Barnes Noble that had a copy of that book and drive out to the Arboretum in Charlotte to get that book during traffic hour so that he'd have the book. And I didn't tell him that. He just thinks that was a great brother and got him the book and the study guide. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the reason it's a God moment is what was an accident, what was to me misfortune was, hey, I ended up getting blessed more than that amount 
from different people over the holiday season. Mm. So it didn't really matter. And also, during Christmas Day, my brother was so glad about study guide. He was going through it and organized a Bible study with different groups of this people that he lives with. And they're all going to go by that study guide and do their own uh, Bible study on the book. So I accidentally started something. So that's yeah. kind of cool. That kid works fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my God moment segment uh, this week uh, is just going to be one that's probably pretty relatable. 2020 is finally over. It's gone. Man. That's a good one. It took long enough. Man. Can I add a bonus God moment segment? I'm going to. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I also learned that tennis is way more fun than I thought it was. It's great. It's a great sport to learn. It's it's hard, challenging. It, it'll get you in shape if you keep playing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my bonus got another segment. So I'm just thankful that uh, going into the fourth quarter, almost, there's about a minute left in the third quarter, uh, Clemson is losing to Ohio State 21-42. to I really dislike Clemson, so Jeez. I'm pretty thankful for that. Right. Yeah. That being said, uh, we want to remind everybody where they can find us, other than where they're currently listening. Also, what, one more thing. Another Godmont segment, which uh, isn't really a, <laughs> a challenge or a blessing. It's just an observation. Uh, a rapper passed away uh, that I'm a pretty big fan of. His name is MF Doom. Uh, he passed away on Halloween, and his family kept it a secret until yesterday, which was December 31st. Wow, which is just incredible that they were able to do that and mourn in their own time without it being ruined by, you know, people, society, the way it is now. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of thankful that they were able to do that. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good for them. Yeah. Bad for us, though. Uh, rest in peace, MF2. So, uh,. They could find us wherever they're listening to this podcast. They could probably find us more of our episodes there, I would imagine. Right. Uh, of course, you can also find us on any social media or Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, maybe not others, so maybe not any. But uh, wherever good podcasts are found, ours is probably there also. Uh, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash whole church podcast. And of course, if you want to learn more about what we're doing or join our monthly study or whatever, uh, you can join our newsletter by just emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Just email us and say, I'd like to do that. And I'd say, okay, you'll get our newsletter. Right. And for some future guests of the podcast, uh, we will have Pastor Tim Register, uh, Caroline Harris of the A Cup Full of Hope podcast, a return guests, Pastors Marie Proctor and Dolores Matthews from the Pastors of a Dying Church podcast. That's our sister podcast. Uh, if you are unaware. Yeah. And of course, at the end of the season, uh, we will have Francis Chan. Wow. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really know about it. I hope he doesn't know about it. But, you know, he will one day. Right. Yeah. He'll figure it out, and he'll agree. Yeah, and it'll be great. And then we'll have a season two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But until then, head over to Patreon to hear our last segment. Right. Thanks for listening.